This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. I've got my main guy, Sunil, here. We're talking 49ers football. How you doing, man? Man, everything is going great, man. I like the new setup. You, It seems like you outside enjoying the sun rays. I don't, I don't know. if it's, Is it sunny up, up north right now? It's pretty sunny. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty sunny. It's, 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 it's like a nice, like, breezy day, but it's still, like, I'd assume in the 60s today. So it's pretty nice today. Yeah, it's super overcast here. It looks like it's about to rain, so we oh, definitely no. don't have no sun. Yeah, that 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 kind of sucks. Which is interesting because I'm in SoCal tomorrow. I'm in SoCal oh, really? tomorrow. Yeah, so hopefully it don't rain when I'm there for for the weekend. <laughs> Maybe it'll get it all out of the way tonight. Hopefully, but man, we're here to talk 49ers football. And I mean, I said this with Jesse yesterday. It's just exciting, man. Football is back, and I mean, it's OTAs, right? It's right. OTAs compared to uh, real live action and all that kind of stuff. But just like you know, we had this entire off season. Obviously, there's draft talk. There's free agency talk. We've got all that out of the way. And now we're really back to players being on the field, hearing about football again. And I think it's it's a it's a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on with the 49ers. You know, all the, um, you know, where whether it be Vegas or odds makers overall, you know, 49ers are a Super Bowl favorite. I think they're in the top five. Um, I think they're the second. I think the Eagles might have a little bit better odds, but out of the NFC, you know, it's the Eagles and the 49ers that are there as far as um, favorites. So so it, it's interesting, especially because we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. So uh, that, that I think is exciting to finally take some steps towards answering that question, which I know is at the forefront of all the discussions on Twitter, all the discussions in the media, and, you know, has a, uh, has led to some fiery conversation over content creation as well. Hey, you said it's the forefront. That's where we got to start today. <laughs> Quarterbacks, right? I mean, we saw two two of them were on the field yesterday, but all three talked, which was interesting. 49ers let all three talk. Kyle Shanahan talked about the quarterbacks as well. Just broadly, first, what, what, what did you take away from yesterday? All the quarterback reports, there's a lot to unpack, I'm sure. Well, first, the, the shade to Allen is just seeping through your pores right now. There was 
three quarterbacks out there uh oh, for the oh, yeah. my bad my bad sorry <laughs> with the t- with the first two teams yeah my boy my bad brandon my bad brandon, Shout um, out brandon no, but, you know the first overall takeaway was man the 49ers are down for all the smoke right because clearly this discussion has had taken a life of its own uh, over you know who's going to be the starter is it going to be lance or is it going to be darnold is purdy going to be healthy and uh the 49ers came out on, on their um you know with the united front and was just like we're going to make everybody available and try to give us your best shot and uh, i was telling jesse yesterday i was like actually the four quarterbacks that the 49ers have all spoke because kyle shanahan is always going to be qb1 and he spoke as well so uh, my overall takeaways were it seems like everybody's on the same page. It didn't seem like there was any um, confusion as far as what the situation was. Brock Purdy is obviously focused on what he needs to focus on, which is, you know, getting healthy. He had a very tempered position as far as when he was going to be ready. He knew he's on track and all that kind of stuff, but he doesn't want to get ahead of himself and doesn't want to overpromote or overpromise. Uh, his availability, which I think is great and, and a great way to approach it. Sam Darnold is focused on what he needs to focus on. And I think this is the biggest, one of the bigger takeaways is he still needs to learn the system, right? So for everybody that was over here, like Sam Darnold is the greatest thrower in 49er history. And Sam Darnold is, uh, you know, for sure going to be taking over the number one spot. Clearly, he still has a lot to learn just in this system before, you know, he's going to have that opportunity to even fend for that. And that was shown through him taking all the second team um, snaps, obviously, day one. So don't read too much into it. And then Trey Lance obviously continued to be Trey Lance. You know, anytime he goes to the podium, Ron, I'm I'm extremely impressed. Uh, Obviously, he's a young kid. He's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations. There's no way he can't be hearing um, all the noise that, that that has been happening in the media and through the fan base and, and, and things of that nature. And he just has such a good head on his shoulders. And I thought he was extremely open and honest about um, how he was looking at the situation. The biggest takeaways for me were, one, um, when, when – uh, I thought it was a great question, actually. One of the beat writers asked them, you know, obviously there has been talks about you being traded. Um, did you buy, Did you at any point feel like maybe that was the best thing for you to get traded? And even before the question was finished, he was like, no, I love being here for the 49ers. This is the place I want to be. I love this team. I love this coaching staff, which was great. Um, and then the second thing was they asked him straight up, you know, it seems like the team, the team has come out and said that Brock Purdy has a, a, a lead in the locker room. Yeah. And, um, you know, what is that? How do you approach knowing that, you know, if he's healthy, he would be the starter. And he was like, look, this is what I told you guys last at the end of last season. Um, I already knew based off of how he played that he was going to be the one. And all I wanted was an opportunity to compete. And that's what I have. And uh, to me, that was just such a, you know, regardless of who it is, because Brock Purdy impressed during his presser as well. I think that he's great as well. But whomever is going to lead this team, whether it's Brock Purdy or, or, or Trey Lance, both of those young men carry themselves so well, are extremely mature um, and, and handle the media extremely well. And I just love their approach to each one are, are dealing with their own trials and tribulations right now. But the way that each one is handling it, I think, is phenomenal. That was 
probably my biggest takeaway just from the quarterback side of things, Robert. I, I, I think that there's a lot, like you said, to unpack it. I think a lot of what you said is, um, like, I agree with. And the main thing is, like, it seems like everybody's on the same page, right? Clearly. It's been very, very clear this offseason. Fans are not on the same page with the quarterback <laughs> talk. There's been Trey Lance talk, Brock Purdy talk, Sam Darnold talk. I mean, there's been Jimmy Garoppolo talk back in back when he, even he knew that we all knew he was not going to be here. Right. Uh, Tom Brady talk. <laughs> uh, to, to begin the season, Aaron Rodgers talk, Lamar Jackson. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But it's pretty clear in the building there's like somewhat of a unison. And I thought all three quarterbacks uh, uh, exemplified that yesterday. Let's start with Brock Purdy. I mean, he he made it very clear there's no definitive. He's not he's not going to put something out there to where we can go back and say, he said this, we can take it back. He's taking it day by day. He understands the, uh, the process. And it's clear also, I think he wants to come back and he's trying to play week one. I think that's clear. But... There are two things I take away. He understands how the process works. And the other thing is also Kyle Shanahan said one thing that I thought was really important, and that's you have to understand that you need to come back before. There needs to be some level of practice before he comes back and is on the field. They believe he's on track to do that, which is a great sign for the 49ers. I think if they can get all three of their top quarterbacks healthy and uh, have them healthy at that point, I think that that's the best sign for the 49ers. Now, as for how realistic that is, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, obviously, only time will tell. But it is important to know they're not going to just throw them out there week one. You you do need there. – there is some buildup needed with Brock Purdy. As for Trey Lance, he was pretty clear, not taking anything away from Brock. All he wants is a chance to compete. That's been the same sentiment he said all offseason. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty, pretty clear with how his, who his character is and how he – uh, reflects himself, and I think that that's um, that that that's been pretty clear all off season. So not too surprised with what he said. And as for Sam Darnold, you know, obviously when we initially heard some reports, uh, great throw over the football and things. I mean, and then major media like Ian Rapport and several other outlets saying how Sam Darnold could be the guy that steps up if Brock Purdy's not healthy. He himself just straight up said, "Yeah, I'm still here. I'm learning." Like. There is a learning process that still goes on, which is why I wasn't surprised at all that because Trey Lance was cleared, he took all of the first-team reps yesterday. Again, first-team reps in OTAs, you, you don't maybe take too much out of it. You you wait for until everybody's acclimated. But right now, yeah, I, I think that there's an understanding in the quarterback room of all uh, of everybody's role, and I think that's important to know. And as for the competition itself, I think we're, I mean, I don't think OTAs will tell anything, um, but really, yeah, this situation is interesting because I still I still am of the belief that the 49ers are going to trot somebody else other than Brock Purdy out there for QB1. But Jesse brought up a good point yesterday that I agreed with and I was thinking as well, which is the short leash on quarterbacks, right, this year. How is that going to play out? Because in the past, we haven't had this situation before. But this year, you've got quarterbacks who I, I think this is the strongest quarterback competition that we've had. Again, barring uh, hopefully no injuries happen uh, going in. But if Brock Purdy returns, I do wonder, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I would I would go back to Kyle Shanahan's nature. And Kyle Shanahan's nature when it comes to any position, whether that be running back, 
offensive line, um, wide receiver, linebacker, whatever the case may be, Kyle Shanahan is really adamant about uh, continuity and, and keeping what's working together. And even if it's not necessarily working as far as wins, it, it, he he feels like he – one thing for, for better or worse, maybe some people look this at this as a – Negative, um, I, I personally look at it as a positive. He has a plan. He sticks to his plan, and he wants to see it all the way through. So to me, when it comes to short leash, I personally believe that if – because I'm, I'm, I feel like there's a 90% chance Trey Lance is the week one starter. I think the only reason he's not a starter is if he somehow gets injured this offseason because I don't think that Brock Purdy is going to be healthy enough in time to be able to play numerous preseason games and and get that timing and all that kind of stuff back with his first team and be like be cleared enough to do all that kind of stuff to be ready to play week one so i i personally believe that trey lance is going to be the week one starter because brock purdy isn't going to be healthy enough if brock purdy was healthy i think he would be the week one starter now i'm with gonna that hold being, you to this yeah absolutely back to this video no i'm kidding sure i've been saying it i agree with i mean i, I mean I, I yeah i mean in agreement <laughs> here so yeah so then when it comes to week one i think at that point it's trey lance's job to lose i personally believe trey lance is going to be play well enough to where kyle shanahan can't yank him um so to me I think that Trey Lance could will win that job. The only reason Brock Purdy would come in is if there's an injury. Because if Trey Lance plays bad enough to where he gets pulled for Brock Purdy, I think that's the end of Trey Lance possibly in the NFL. So like that's like a big deal. So I personally just feel just based off of the character of the kid, what he's doing in the offseason, who he's working with and just what I've seen from him enough to show see, see the flashes. I just think he's going to be fine, especially with the team that he has around him. So um, it's kind of tough for Brock Purdy because he obviously has done enough to be a starter in this league as well. Um, and unfortunately, injuries may have changed that. But as to directly answer your your, your um, question about the short leash, I don't know if Shanahan has that in his in his system. Like I don't think he's big on breaking up that continuity. And we saw it. Though. I think one of the bigger examples – was uh, two years ago with Aaron Banks. Remember, he talked mm -hmm. about how like they were they Aaron Banks was ready to start, and we saw in year two how well he played. And if he has anything like that year one, he could have probably possibly been an asset to the team. However, Kyle Shanahan said, "Look, the continuity of the offensive line they were playing well together, and we didn't want to change that up." What is more of a shift than changing the quarterback, right? Especially if. Um, you know, let's say the 49ers in that first four games go three and one or four and oh, do you really want to make that change? Because how much pressure is that on Brock Purdy uh, to keep that same momentum, you know? And I, I think that that's a good point. But the one thing you did say early on, right, is Trey Lance, you believe Trey Lance will play well enough in that four games to where he doesn't turn around. To me, even if it's not Trey Lance, if it's Brock Purdy, if it's Sam Darnold or whoever, I do wonder. Like, yes, if you play well, I, I believe whoever whoever the week one starter is, I think if they play well, I think they that, that's the guy for the foreseeable future um, in, in next year. But what if that play wavers in that first stretch of games, especially understanding that there's 
essentially a four-game home stretch from week two to week five. What if that play wavers? What do you think then? It's just it would be out of character for Kyle Shanahan to do. He doesn't make panic moves. You know what I mean? Like he he's not the type to do that. And I understand the point. Like this is the this might be a different scenario because in the past maybe he hasn't had uh, as as much talent in the quarterback room. But even even uh, in Trey Lance's rookie year, I think there was times where they could have pulled out Jimmy Garoppolo because of bad play. You know what I mean? And he chose not to. Remember, initially he was doing the whole rotation thing, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, like, you know, let's just rock with one person. I think that probably plays in the back of his mind, and I, I would play in the back of his mind. I just don't see it in Kyle Shanahan's nature to 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 make a move like that just based off of bad play. Because, And, and I'll say this as well. I don't think that Brock Purdy – play if he's the starter is going to be to the point where he's going to be worth being yanked either i think he's competent enough in in this offense and you know what's interesting rohan you know I, i'm a big kyle shanahan guy but one thing we know about kyle shanahan's personality is you know he, he does have an ego as as most of us do the way brock purdy talks about kyle is like the teacher's pet, right? He's always kind of gassing Kyle Shanahan. So how much he learns from Kyle Shanahan and, you know, the way he's coached and, you know, he gives Kyle Shanahan full credit for everything. And I think that plays a role in why, you know, Shanahan's you know, probably enamored with him as well. So I, I personally don't think if Trey or Brock Purdy start with whomever ends up starting week one, I don't think either of them will play bad enough to warrant being yanked. And, uh, I, because I think Kyle Shanahan's leash is a lot longer than most 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 other coaches. He doesn't have the same pressure, I think, as other coaches, so he could just rock it, rock with it. And when you talk about that, I do agree in the fact that I can see both quarterbacks or whoever having a strong start and then continuing forward. I can see that. The one thing I will say is I do believe this year is different. When we talk about 2021, uh, the year where obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, the chances that there, there, there was a chance he could be yanked. I think that that finger injury that does derail a bit of Trey Lance's – I think it stunted his growth that year, and he himself openly admitted it. And so I, I just think that there are different circumstances this year. Now, whether that will reveal itself to be something different, I'll see. I'm on your side in that I do believe Kyle Shanahan – isn't a guy who panics. I, I do think that he'll give um, whichever quarterback some type of some room to grow. But I do wonder, especially, you know, because it is such a young group, but I do wonder with a season where, you know, you might want to start strong, understanding that the back half's a little, a uh, little harder. Is there a more, is there more of a sense of urgency if there's faltering play in the early weeks from whichever quarterback starts week one? I just think that uh, that would be a shot at his ability to develop, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah, it's not right. like either of the either any of these quarterbacks are necessarily. None of them have put together the resume to be warrant like for sure this is an upgrade over the other, right? So, are are you really 
how are you really benefiting? I guess in that case, it's not like you're bringing in a a, a first a for sure upgrade per se. So I just I, I personally don't don't see that happening. I think the only re- reason why there's a quarterback change is due to injury, and okay. you know that I just I we haven't seen Kyle Shanahan. I really believe in any at any position change because of bad play, right? Yeah. And I mean, again, it's a it's a topic that we'll 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 see going forward. And obviously the hope is you don't have to make a quarterback change. Whoever you right. go with with week one is good enough to where you can win the role. We will be getting to position battles in a minute, Fernando. I see your comment in the chat. But on the quarterback talk to end it off, we've got Trey Lance, we've got Sam Darnold, obviously, in this one two punch. Kyle Shanahan said something. I, maybe it's adding spice to the conversation, but he did say, don't take much away from the, the who gets one reps, who gets two reps, wanted to even it out. What does that, what does that tell you? Does that tell you anything uh, this off season? How do you feel about that comment from Shanahan itself? After obviously we saw Lance earn the one reps for the first two days, Donald, the two reps for the, uh, or Donald, the two reps for the first two days. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he put a couple of cryptic messages out there, right? Uh, the only God one, knows. Yeah, only God knows. But I think the one is when he was talking about, I think somebody asked him about the Eagles, and he was saying, you know, I'm glad that we're not playing the Eagles week one because we don't have our full team there. We, yeah. Like, so, well, what, what? who's missing, right? The only person that would be missing would be Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy. So is that a cryptic message that he still believes Brock Purdy is QB1? But, you know, I – I think it's all more of the same. Like, I think that Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to anoint anybody. He wants to make sure that his message is everybody has to earn this job. This is Brock Purdy's job and everybody else has to earn their, earn their position. So that was probably more of a message to Trey and to Sam that like, Hey, just because you got the first snaps right now, or you got the number two snaps Right now doesn't mean that tomorrow you, you're not going to get the first. Like, be ready, compete, and and I think that uh, you know that's the way he's always approached things. Um, so, for me, could you argue with it? Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I think it, obviously there's different philosophies. But this is Kyle Shanahan's philosophy. His philosophy is, you know, don't anoint anybody, uh, make everybody earn it, type of thing. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I agree with that. That is his philosophy. And uh, quarterbacks, man, that's going to be the talk of the trade for until week one. And even after week one, I think, especially with this group, where I think it's the strongest competition we've seen with three quarterbacks, I, I think that this could be a talk that we hear for a while. But like I said, let's move on to the position battles because every offseason, a huge part of every team is – what position battles are there in training camp in the offseason? And obviously the 49ers as well. They've had some departures this year. You talk about key guys like Mike McGlinchey, Samson Ebicom, Charles O'Menehue, Jimmy Ward. I could go on about a couple of guys, some key departures this year, which leaves positions where there might not be an unsolidified starter or even unsolidified backups. Immediately off the top of your head, what are you thinking about one position battle to watch? We can go back and forth in a way. Yeah, I'll start off with which I think is the you know one of the bigger ones is who's the fourth defensive lineman? 
Is it going to be Drake Jackson? Is it going to be somebody else that they brought in, uh, you know, a new guy? Or is that a position that they go and get? Because there's a lot of free agents still available that I think um, can definitely be an upgrade there if they don't see what they need to see, you know, out of a guy like Drake Jackson. You would think that Drake Jackson, they're hoping that he's the the guy because obviously they they drafted him with, you know, a second-round pick. But I think that's really important because this is probably, you know, as far as interior defensive line with, with the addition of, of Hargrave, obviously we know Bosa is who Bosa is, Armstead is who they are. Like those three positions are pretty much solidified. And whomever that fourth person is, is going to be extremely important because they can eat. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a position that I think can can wreak a lot of havoc because so much attention is going to be paid to those other three positions. So, uh, especially, you know, if we, with this, the way this defense has played in the past, you know, I think that's an extremely important position to see if Drake Jackson can come out and actually take that role. I agree. And I mean, you, you said it itself. It's important. We've seen in the past that fourth one is uh, that fourth position is important. Just even look at last year, right? Last year, I think we heard, yeah, that, that position, that defensive line position, or that defensive line group, it's not that the talent wasn't there. It's just it wasn't on par as previous groups in terms of sack rate. I mean, I can I, you can pull up statistics. You can also just pull up pure production and what you saw on the field itself with, your, uh, with the eye test. But that also comes down to can we get a solidified guy at that fourth spot? Something I said, I think it's more important to have three down players. 49ers go out. They get arguably the best defensive lineman on the market in Javon Hargrave. Massive deal there. Whether uh, how, what his snap count will be is intriguing to me. Will they play him more on? Uh, will they play him on rundowns significantly, or will they have a rotation there with the amount of defensive tackle depth they have? But to me, I think a big question is the edge edge group. Right? It's not as deep as the de- defensive tackle group. So it, there is a good amount counting on Drake Jackson, and I do think that this is somewhat of a make-or-break offseason for him in terms of defi- uh, getting a solidified role on this team for the future. He looks the part right now. He looks big. He looks like he should. We saw some pictures of Drake Jackson, who's bulked up, just as the, just the coaches have been hyping up this an entire offseason. So that's a good sign. The question to me is, how does he uh, how does he go against the run? And is he more, uh, more developed as a pass rusher? Because he was raw. He was a raw second-round pick with a ton of upside. Now, how does that translate? How does the the current floor translate to its potential and how quickly? Those are the questions that we see this offseason and potentially see um, whether Drake Jackson ends up being the guy or the 49ers go out in the free agent market and sign a veteran uh, in training camp. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously from what we saw physically, he's put in the work, and I think that was something – that uh, Wilkes spoke about in his presser, I think last week, you know, Drake Jackson has been in the weight room and, and understood that that was something that he needed was to bulk up and get stronger. But I think what you mentioned is extremely important. You know, this is a very, when we're talking about raw talent, this is a, you know, Drake Jackson didn't have many moves past just being faster than everybody. Right. Um, so has he learned that swim move? Has he learned a spin move? Has he, you know, worked on the technique of being a, 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 an outside, um, you know, outside rusher, because 
he's going to benefit from a lot of single coverage and maybe some blown coverage, right? Because the other guys on that defensive line are, are have to be, you know, thought about so much and defensive, like the offensive line is going to be focused on those guys that a lot of times he's going to be the odd man out that could really take advantage. So you can't take advantage though. If, if, you know, you can't beat your man one-on-one, which was something he struggled to do last year. So I think that is extremely important. What, what other positions are you looking at? Yeah. And before I get to uh, one that I'm thinking about, I do want to give a shout out to Bay area baller 18. Uh, got a good channel of his going on. He pulled up Sneal also. 49ers throwback throwing you a compliment here. But Barry Baller here brings up a position battle that I was going to bring up a little later. Let's bring it up now, though. TE2. A lot of the talk is right now around Cam Latu, Charlie Warner. Maybe even Ross Dwelly's in the mix, although I don't believe that as much. It's really the talk is between Latu and Warner, the second Latu got drafted. But Braden Willis is a guy who I was higher on and Latu out of the draft, a guy who made a huge play yesterday, um, one of the one of the highlights of camp and or of OTAs. And again, it's one play. But what do you think about this TE2 battle, which really has been up in the air ever since George Kittle broke out in 2018? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I don't think we've really understood from a Kyle Shanahan perspective what he wants out of that tight end too, right? So, does he want a pass catcher? You would think, yeah, but then Dwelly never gets the opportunities that you would think because even though he has amazing hands, right? Does he want just a pure blocker? Maybe, but Warner doesn't get, you know, the amount of run that you would think like, you know, to, to be able to get. So it's kind of like confusing as far as what exactly he's looking for out of that tight end two position. So just because of that, Rohan, I would say absolutely it's open to anybody because I don't know what what really is the role of that tight end too um, other than filling in for Kittle whenever there is an injury type of thing, right? So um, can Braden Willis make a, get a role there? Absolutely. I think that um, obviously Kittle was a fifth-round draft pick and he ended, he ended up being the starter. So – just because Latu was a third round pick, I don't think that necessarily guarantees him anything over any of these other tight ends. So um, it's absolutely open, but I'm confused as far as what exactly Kyle Shanahan and that staff wants from a tight end too. That's a good question. That's a good question. And here's my understanding. To me, <clears throat> excuse me, to me what Kyle Shanahan wants, he wants a multidimensional player, but in order to get on the field, I think it's similar to receivers. Receivers, what do you want? You obviously want a solid route runner. You want a guy who has surefire hands and all those abilities. But Danny Gray has said it himself. In this offense, you're going to have to be able to block. I think it's a similar philosophy with the tight ends. I think you're looking for a pass catcher because you want a guy who can be a difference maker on the field. But in order to play you, you've got to be able to block. And so that's why I think the guy who we saw really get more run towards the end of the year, and I, 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 I can't say for certain, but I think had probably the highest snap count of the backups last year was Tyler Croft. Mm -hmm. And that's why he Tyler Croft isn't like he's an amazing at everything. He's a really amazing at one specific thing. But I thought he was the best combination 
of a blocker and a pass catcher that the 49ers had last year, or at least that's what the that's what the building believed. And so that's where you see him get the most snaps. So to me, it's a guy who definitely, like, I think it's a guy who has to be able to block first, but has the ability to be a pass catcher. And that's who you're looking for as a tight end of the future, a guy who could potentially replace George Kittle once his career with the 49ers is over. And that's a good question because I don't know if the 49ers <laughs> have that on their roster right now. Right. Still. I don't think that they – with the backup position right now, in terms of pure floors, I don't know if they upgraded right now um, because when you talk about rookies, again, you know the acclimation period for rookies with the Shanahan offense can take a while. Obviously, we saw Spencer Burford immediately come in as a plug-and-play starter last year, but that's not necessarily the norm, right? It's normally an injury that takes place – that kind of uh, pushes a player in there like Elijah Mitchell uh, during his rookie season. But to me, this is what I'm intrigued about. And we've also heard how Braden Willis could be a guy played in that fullback, like that versatile fullback role uh, and could be fullback, could be a tight end in line uh, or in the slot. He could be a guy played in multiple roles. But to me, I think it's really who flashes the most out of the backups. Um, and right now, I think Willis, I, I like the take that I think Willis has a good shot to potentially get that role earlier than Latu. I'm not as high as on Latu. I've said that in articles. I've said that. Um, I, I thought that, that was an overdraft. And I think Willis provides more upside than Latu. The only thing is, how quickly can the blocking come together? I think that's really the biggest question as to who gets more playing time. As for who I believe will be TE2 starting week one, I still think it would be Charlie Warner. I think he's got a full offseason right now. Last year, I think a big a big portion of the mixture was Warner was not healthy in the offseason. He had that groin strain, I believe, or something that really limited him in the offseason that allowed the other guys like Croft to get TE1 snaps in camp and uh, starting the year. But I think he's got a healthy offseason, standing in the playbook, and I think right now, he probably is the TE2 week one. That can change, though, for sure. Yeah. Another position group I'm, I'm paying attention to is... Uh... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply cornerback depth hmm. um and that slot corner right so last year it was primarily jimmy ward obviously we saw um womack play there at the beginning of the season but then when jimmy ward got healthy primarily it was you know jimmy ward was jimmy ward, was, yeah. was in there right especially after you know mitchell or uh, mosley went down and 
uh, Verrett ended up being unavailable and Lenore just had to play on the outside and played well. But right now, as far as um, known commodities, I guess we could put that, we really only have our belief in Mooney Ward and Diamondo Lenore. Outside of them on the cornerback position, it's a lot of there's potential there, but we're not 100% sure. Is Samuel Womack going to take that leap? that um, you know most second-year players on the 49ers take to really solidify himself as that third corner in case of injury. I think Isaiah Oliver is going to end up with that, that position of slot corner. I think he brings a lot uh, to the table. And, um, you know, obviously what we've heard from him, the little we've heard already um, from OTAs, he's played well. How good is Luther going to be, um, you know, as far as uh, – the rookie and you know is ambry thomas ever gonna be worthy of that third third round draft pick it's not looking good at this point but you know we 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 know that the 49ers in previous years have been decimated by injuries in the cornerback room last year because of the type of depth that we had it didn't play a big role because we had so many options there with mosley with um you know, with Verrett, with uh, Lenore, luckily we were able to stand pat and actually thrive. Is that same depth there now? We're not sure, right? Uh, so that's, I think, going to be extremely interesting to see. Can Samuel Womack step up? That'll go a long way. Is Isaiah Oliver, you know, the second-round talent that he was drafted to be, is that, is that going to come to fruition now that he's fully healthy and, and so on and so forth? So I think that is an extremely important uh, thing to see during this offseason, Rohan, because if it's not, you know, I would hate to go back to a couple years ago where we we're just picking up guys off of the couch to to play secondary, you know what I mean? Yeah, and <clears throat> this is an interesting topic that I actually wrote about fairly recently. I, I talked about the cornerback position as a group where I believe I, I have a certain take on it we obviously have the departure of Jimmy Ward. Lenore right now seems like he's solidified on the outside. The depth, I think, is a big thing, right? Because you talked about the depth. Coming into the soft season, I said, cornerback depth is going to be one of the bigger areas that the 49ers need to fill. Why? Because right going into the offseason, I thought they had three guys that were ready to make a 53-man roster for this team. That was the starting two guys and Womack because of his because of the flash, special teams ability, and draft status. I don't think Ambry Thomas is guaranteed a spot at all. And so with three spots available, or with three spots filled, I thought that there was at least two guys that the 49ers needed to add, and potentially even more. Why? Because last year, the 49ers had five corners and five safeties on their initial 53. However, when you look at it, that group was more versatile. You had guys like Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward is a safety and a nickel. He's a guy who could play corner when you asked him to play corner. He played corner for the entire year. So it added an extra body, even though he was technically considered a safety to begin the year. I think Deshaun Gibson still can rep the big nickel role, but I don't think he can do it that consistently. What I'm saying, though, is overall with the depth, you might need more corners this year, understanding that your group isn't as versatile as it has been in the past because of how valuable Jimmy Ward was to this team. And so that's where I look at this group where – they might look to add another body, or they might go with five, but also try and see 
Maybe does a Quantrez Knight or a Taylor Hawkins fit into this team as one of those extra safeties and potentially try them out as well at corner um, as that uh, as a, as another guy who could potentially make the 53. But what I'm looking at with the nickel spot specifically, I think it's Isaiah Oliver's job. When we heard Steve Wilkes the, the other day, he talked about how when they couldn't get Jimmy Ward back, which was pretty clear because he wanted to play safety, they wanted to get the top nickel on the on the market. That was Isaiah Oliver in their eyes. And Isaiah Oliver right now, I, I personally think he'll have a grasp on this role. I still don't know what Samuel Womack's role will be in the NFL because is he a nickel guy? Is he an outside guy? Is he a both? Is he both a nickel and an outside guy? I don't know, but I think that his it, it, there is a good value with him being depth, especially with special teams capabilities. But Oliver, to me, I think is going to play better in the nickel. He has improved after not looking great early on in his career since being moved to the nickel in Atlanta. The 49ers think highly of him, and I think it's another one-year stopgap solution to where the 49ers could eventually turn to Womack in 2025. I'm looking at this roster, and I think there are some 2025 guys. Danny Gray is one of them, and we'll get to receiver in a little bit. Danny Gray is one of them. I don't think he has that big of a role in 2024 just because I think there are guys ahead of him that are solidified and have specific roles that worked out last year on offense. Womack, to me, is the other guy. I think he's another guy who could uh, utilize another year to get a little bigger uh, and also uh, potentially work or uh, you know fill out into his frame a little more to, to, to work into that nickel role in 2025 where you still have two more years of team control and allowing him a better, uh, you know, a little more of a developmental curve. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, out of all of the position groups, the cornerbacks are probably the weakest group right now, not necessarily because of uh, they might not end up being the weakest group, but they just, I guess weakest is probably not the right answer. The most question marks there because yeah. we don't have as many proven commodities quite yet. Yeah, man, I agree. And that's that's another thing where Jesse brought this up yesterday when we were talking about cornerbacks. And the one thing you hope is you hope that the injury bug doesn't hit as hard as it has at that position uh, this year because cornerbacks in the 49ers, there have been injuries like consistently every year where you've relied on some of that depth Two years ago, um, obviously, there were some injury issues. I, I think Emmanuel Mosley didn't start the year off. And then last oh, year – Verrett got injured two years Verrett, ago. I mean, Verrett. yeah, Verrett was the big one in uh, 2021 with the ACL in week one. Mosley didn't come back till week two. And so you're relying on guys like Drake, Drake Kirkpatrick and Josh Norman at some points in the season. Yeah. Last year, Ward obviously was there the, the, the majority of the year. Uh, but Mosley, ACL in week five, when we talk about Traverius Ward – He's missed three or four games normally a year in his career. But the other part is he's he missed some time last year in games. He had right. injuries in games that where he, he's a competitor. He's a fierce competitor. He was able to return to games. But you do worry because you you have a, you need a guy that can slot in there. And injuries are a part of the game in general. But is there a trustworthy option right now that you, you believe can really fit in? That's a question that I think needs to be answered um, right. with with that group. And I mean, I think we I mean we heard Luter be a guy who made an impressive play the other day. Womack's a guy who has a year under his uh, year under his belt, inside outside guy. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, you're right. You're right about the cornerback depth. Yeah, and I mean the the luck. I guess the positive thing about it is they've not the 49ers haven't 
uh, what's it called, neglected this position like yeah. they may have earlier in the Shanahan Lynch regime, right? They they have bodies they put in draft capital and drafting guys that fit this kind of fit the mold of what they're looking for. So, you know, we are in a situation where I think Mooney Ward, Lenore end up being the starter. I agree with you. I think Oliver um, is going to be the starting nickel. So that's three. And if they pick another two, we already know who those two guys are probably going to be. It's yeah. going to be Womack and it's going to be Luter. So to me, they at least have the five guys that they want. Um, it's just about, we just believe they could be the guys. Can they show to be the guys, which hopefully this off season we're able to see. No, definitely. Now we talked about questions. I want to ask you, what are some questions you're hoping get answered in this kind of in this kind of off season? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, Rohan, starter wise, there aren't that many questions outside of the quarterback, right? Who's going to be the starter? But even then, like, I'm not worried. Like, if it's Purdy, I'm completely content. If it's Trey, I'm completely content. My biggest question, because this has been such a, a important important problem for the 49ers, is the depth. This is one year going in where it's just like the depth isn't as solidified, right? We lost a lot of people. We lost Jimmy Ward. Um, you know, obviously, we feel like, you know, we drafted a guy who possibly could be the heir apparent. We got Gibson there who played really well last season. However... You know, who's going to fill that role? We lost Aziz. Who's going to be that third linebacker? Because we've seen um, Dre Greenlaw go, get injured, and we haven't really missed that because Aziz was able to come in. Can Oren Burks be that guy? Is Flanagan, is, De, is Flanagan, DFF still on the team? Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to be able to take that step up and, you know, fill that role in case a Greenlaw goes down? Or is, um, you know, the, the linebacker out of TCU that they got, uh, is he going to step up in, and fill that role along the defensive line, right? You said the interior, there's a lot of depth, but on the outside, we don't know as much as far as the depth there as well. And then, um, so to me, especially on the defensive side, that depth is question marks for me. Are those guys going to be good enough to, to hold the fourth down in case any of these starters go down? Because we know, more than not, it's more likely that some of these guys are going to go down. Um, in the past, especially the last few years, you know, the defense has still been able to be elite because the depth has been been there. It's right now that depth is unproven. Let's just put it that way. So I think that's a big question that I, I, I want to see answered. Yeah, and I think that's that's another thing where I think the 49ers right now are at a stage where I think a lot of good teams like the Eagles – are also entering it's you know that depth is leaving pretty much every offseason why because you have players on cheaper deals that are outplaying their contracts so they go to free agency and when those deals expire they obviously get bigger deals you can't match it and so you're at a stage right now where you have to recycle talent via the draft you have to trust the younger guys maybe guys who aren't as developed to hopefully take a next step we talked about some of those guys like Drake Jackson and players like that where you've got to hope they take the next step. But the 49ers also this year, I think, especially in a year that's so crucial, are at a point where it's it's interesting because you didn't have a first or a second round pick, right? Mm -hmm. And so in trying to fill that depth, 
you don't have as it's not that you don't have as much capital it's just you don't that have as much high-end capital right. where you might feel more comfortable replacing some of those guys and then obviously you 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 pile that along questions like drafting a kicker in the third round um and that's another spot where you could have added more depth at another position and things like that, maybe overdrafting at some point. And this is where, you know, drafting becomes really crucial. And the 49ers have really done well, obviously, in drafting in later rounds. And that that's really helped them along the way. But I think drafting now, especially in the next uh, in the following years, when players become more expensive, is going to be really, really crucial, as well as maintaining the health of your top guys. No, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of teams, the teams that end up making it deep into the playoffs um, and win Super Bowls are because they have that depth. All teams have to deal with, you know, their stars or, or starters going down. So that those teams that are able to sustain, obviously, are going to be the ones that go deep. And I think it's going to be key for the 49ers this year as well. I think so, too. Harold here has a question that I want to hear your take on. Everyone assumes the defense will be fine. However, with a new defensive coach, question is, will the defense drop off? I'll rephrase this a little bit. New new defensive coach. Seems like it'll be a similar system, but obviously different tendencies. Steve Wilkes, obviously a coach who has a good track record, but new defensive coach, some new, obviously some new pieces in there. Do you think, I won't say is there is there going to be a drop off, but do you think there might be a bit of a learning process where since the offense has relied on the defense a lot, do you think that that could harm the 49ers early on? Rohan, this is something I've actually spoken on with Jesse. Um, this, I think, is one of the, you know, one of the things that I think is going under underneath and not talked about nearly enough is that all of a sudden Steve Wilkes is going to just come in and we're just, it's just, I'm not saying that he won't, but it's just like a foregone conclusion that he's going to come in and there's going to be absolutely no drop off and everything is just going to be smooth sailing. But this is the biggest change of a defensive coordinator in the history of, of Shanahan and Lynch. And what I mean by that is it's not that this is the first time that there's been a defensive coach change, but this is the first time somebody external has been brought in that hasn't been part of this culture from the beginning, right? Initially it was Sala. Sala, it was a seamless transition to D'Amico Ryans. Even though D'Amico Ryans brought some wrinkles in, he still was very familiar with all the player, all the um, terminology. Everybody knew about him. Both Sala and uh, D'Amico Ryans are high energy type guys that you saw on the sidelines and that you saw their energy seep through this defense on the sidelines. Well, Steve Wilkes is already making a change that he's not going to be calling the defense on the sidelines. He's calling it from the uh, from the box. So already we're noticing a huge shift in the way things are run now. Yeah. Does this is this going to be a, a huge change? Who knows? I don't know. But but the fact that things are changing and are, are going to be so different, we're going from guys that are primarily linebacker coaches to somebody who's primarily a secondary coach. So like obviously the way people are going to uh, those positions are going to be seeing the game is going to be different. Clearly already making the choice to, to go in the box versus be on the sidelines is different. So yeah, I believe that this defense is still going to be elite because of the talent on the defense. But I do think that there is still a question mark because Steve Wilkes is, is a well-respected coach in this league. 
he's been a well-respected defensive uh, coordinator. However, he hasn't had a lot of success as far as the stats from his defense. Like he hasn't coached the top 10 defense. Um, and I think a lot of that is because he's always been in really, really terrible situations with, you know, Cleveland Browns and, and, you know, obviously the, all the changes as far as what was going on in Carolina. And he hasn't had the talent that he's going to have with the 49ers. So I think he's going to be fine, but I think the fact that everybody is just so confident is, is interesting because, you know, it, it is a big, a big change um, for the 49ers. And I'm not going to say I push back because I know you're not saying anything negative about Steve Wilkes at all. To me, I I know people assume the defense will be fine. I think there are going to be differences. Number one, the blitz rate I think will increase. Steve Wilkes is more aggressive, and he said he wants to be more aggressive, even with the, the similarities in defense. The coach in the box thing is certainly intriguing, obviously, because when you talk about Steve Wilkes and coaching in the box – 49ers, right, they have an infectious energy, and a lot of the infectious energy has come from defensive coordinators instilling it in the players. You've seen all the videos about D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala on the sidelines hyping up their guys. And I do really wonder, like, because obviously we can't quantify that, wonder how big of an impact does that make, or does that force other players to step up as leaders and maybe change the culture in that way? And so I, I do agree. As for a drop-off, I don't know, though, if it comes via the coaching. I, I do think Steve Wilkes is a pretty solid coordinator, and I think there's a level of trust and probably respect for him in the building. But again, I wonder if that learning curve, like I said initially with the question, I wonder if that learning curve is something uh, to to experience, like that the 49ers will experience. Because especially early on when the 49ers start slow, like you saw last year, they relied on that defense. That defense was huge and even lost games like that Denver game in week three where they really relied on their defense and still couldn't pull it out right. against Pittsburgh week one. That's going to be a team with a strong defense. Who knows how the offense plays in week one? Again, like how are you? How, how do they rely on their defense? And I think it's, an, it's, a, it's somewhat of an easier slate to start off, so maybe that helps the learning curve a bit as well. Do I think overall in the season there's going to be a drop-off on the defense? No. I think the defense is still going to be pretty, pretty solid. Maybe maybe a drop off, maybe from like top top one to top five, but I do wonder how does it start off? Yeah, and I could see this defense be, you know, top two defense, right? I, I, a top three defense. I don't I don't necessarily think that. I mean, the talent is still super elite, and I personally think we've gotten better um, as far as just the starters, right? With Javon Hargrave there, the depth of you know the interior defensive line. I think that our depth is higher than it's been in quite some time with, um, you know, Kinlaw looking better and obviously Kalia is going to be there and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So I think that there's a lot of positives for this defense, but for me, it's just something that's never talked about, which I think is interesting that people just expect it to be a seamless transition, which, you know, hopefully it is and, and more than likely it will be. I, yeah, I think so too. Last thing we got to talk about before we head on out, because there was some interesting NFL-related news. Rule changes. Three new rule changes. One about the kickers. The big one, obviously, about the three quarterbacks that relates to the 49ers. 
Do you remember the third one? I can't remember off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, the flat. Well, not a rule oh, change, the Thursday, but they're flexing yeah. the Thursday night game. Yeah, the Thursday night one. Let's start with. Let's start actually with the the kicker one because 49ers drafted a kicker in the third round. A lot of the justification around it, or not a lot, but some of it was, we got a guy now that can kick touchbacks. Robbie Gould struggled with it last year. That really hurt the special teams because uh, opposing field field uh, uh, obviously getting a better field field position starting off that again not 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 necessarily great for special teams because you can't kick it a, into the end zone now though the rule for those of you guys that don't know if you fear catch it inside the 25 yard line ball automatically starts at the 25 i believe this is the same rule as in college correct one year basis uh trial basis what do you think about this rule i mean obviously it takes away, I think, one of the most exciting plays in the NFL, which has already kind of been taken away from the rule changes anyways, which is the kick return, right? Um, we were talking, I was talking with Je- Jesse last night. You know, I remember growing up watching Devin Hester, watching, um, you know, watching some of these great kick returners, and it was just such an explosive play and something that was very, very exciting could change around the whole momentum. So... I personally hate it. <laughs> I think that it's a stupid, stupid rule. Um, not only are you taking away, you know, not only did we just, you know, there was no reason to get rid of gold now, right? As far as, you know, that was the big reason why I think they were just like, hey, we can upgrade and pay less money to somebody who has a stronger leg. But even, you know, the the amount now, you know, the turnovers there are going to be less because what's the point now of running it running it out, you know, you're, you're going to be safer anywhere. If you catch it on the five, catch it on the 10, you know, it's safer just to fair catch it. You make sure that, you know, you, you keep possession of the ball and you go out to the 25. I just think it, I guess I don't understand it. They keep playing it like it's a health health thing, yeah. but I don't necessarily, I mean, I'd, but there's no stats as far as how many injuries are, happening on on these kick kickoffs kind of thing so to me i don't i think it's a stupid rule is it going to be a significant change i don't know it, it, we'll probably forget about it and you know I, I, but yeah i just think it's i i just feel like it's taking away from some of the excitement of, of kick returns i think so too i understand the health part obviously because I, I do think that there are injuries because it's the high speed collisions that come Punt returns are different. Kick returns, though, where both sides are moving at high speeds. Um, I can understand that portion. As for the 49ers, I mean, yeah. I think it just adds more fuel to the fire, understanding the 49ers drafted a kicker in the third round for a stronger <laughs> leg. And now that stronger leg is getting minimized. And it right. furthers, you know, I think it just furthers the pressure on Jake Moody because kickoffs, I think, is something that he didn't really have to worry about. It's something I think he had in the bag in terms of uh, touchback rate and things like that. But now it just furthers because you need to be a real, real solid kicker at the one thing that's important, field goals. Right. And I, I think it's just adding more pressure, especially after, obviously, in only three attempts uh, we, we saw, but uh, a miss from 48 yards the other day. I think, uh, you know, it, it is it is a little tougher for the 49ers to justify that third round pick. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think this rule doesn't put as much pressure 
on Jake Moody as the draft pick, right? So um, we'll see. Hopefully he uh, hopefully he shuts all of it down and becomes one of the greatest kickers of all time. Hopefully. That's the hope right now. Let's talk about the second rule change, though. Uh, the one that a lot of people talked about with the 49ers last year, the three-quarterback rule. Now, so for those of you guys that don't know, you can roster three, or you can have three quarterbacks on the active game day roster. That was okay before. The difference, though, that third guy can be—he doesn't have to be on your active forty-three or forty-six man game day roster. It can be one of the other guys. It has to—it has to be a guy on the fifty-three man roster, not on the practice squad, or it can be one of the elevation guys. But this essentially gives you another game day spot for a quarterback. Reason, obviously, I mean, we saw this year with the NFC Championship game, 49ers had two active quarterbacks, both got injured, ran out of quarterbacks, essentially, and Brock Purdy had to play an entire half with a hurt UCL, and he couldn't throw the football. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously deemed the Shanahan rule. Um, You know, I I think, obviously, it has to do with that game. I think it's terrific, man, and and – Obviously, for the 49ers, this means they could keep all three quarterbacks um, suited up each game, which they don't have to make that decision who goes to the practice squad or or whatever the case may be, which I think is great. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for this rule. There we go. We're good. But I'll say something a little different because I don't mind the rule. I don't think the impact is as big as other people or as others, I, I think, take it out to be. In that, I think this rule is more about safety than it is about, you know, uh, having a chance to win the game. So when, what do I mean by that? When you're down to your third quarterback, like let's say – let's just go to the NFC Championship game, right? I think the reason for this rule is you don't want an injured quarterback further risking himself to play in that game instead having an actual quarterback who might not have changed the game at all, but at least having an active quarterback, a guy who could play, be in the game. That's the way that I view this. And so for me, I don't view this necessarily as too, too significant. Do I think this changes the way that teams uh, teams go with their three quarterbacks? I don't think so. I think teams still have a an active structure where they'll have – uh, like because only nine, eight, eight, nine teams, maybe a few teams, but only eight, nine teams really out of the thirty-two go with third quarterback. I think that this doesn't change too much in their eyes either, because having to take up a roster spot on the fifty-three man roster, it, it is tough for some teams. So I think they'll they'll have their practice elevation instead. But yeah, it's a it's a good rule for player safety. I don't know though how big the impact of the rule will be overall. Well, I mean, I think it, it, it could keep teams being a little more conservative with their quarterbacks, right? We saw, you know, I call it the Kyle Shanahan rule, but you look at what happened with Miami and Tua, where they, they brought him back even though he had a concussion, right? Or obviously there was a lot of right, cracks right. That, the that were there, part, but yeah, yeah to, to further your point, but maybe they could now be a little more conservative with if there is a head injury or if there is any type of injury with that starting quarterback, if you have you know, competent quarterbacks there. I think eventually if this continues to be a rule run, I can see, you know, this changing the way keeping three solid quarterbacks because, you know, it, it is necessary. If if your starting quarterback goes down, now you're really banking on your backup quarterback not getting injured. And 
the way that the game is right now, you know, those injuries are just bound to happen. So having three quarterbacks, I think, I think it is going to play a big role for some team in some game this year. Yeah. I like the rule. I like the rule as well. Um, and so let's talk about the final one, Thursday night flexing. This won't impact the 49ers as much. They have, have two, uh, two, I believe is the limit, which, uh, and, and I think it's week three. And then, uh, whenever they play Seattle week 12, I believe. Um, and so they got their two Thursday night games already, but how do you think about this rule in general in terms of the league? Yeah, I think this is a big – this tells us what the league really feels about the fan bases and what they really think, uh, what what they value more. And they value the TV deals way more than they value the fans in the stands because this is a total F you to the right. fans um, that, hey – you can't plan even maybe you would have you planned and you saved up all this money to be able to buy um, tickets for you and your family. And, uh, you know, you, you have a full day to tailgate and make it an event. And all of a sudden, hey, there's not going to be a game on Sunday for you guys anymore. You're going to have to figure out a way to to make it on Thursday, take the time off work and and all of that type of stuff. I think it's just it, it just shows that they really care more about the TV deals because. Some of those Thursday night games, especially later on in the season, were just terrible. Um, and I think that they just value the the TV partners more than they value the actual fans. And they were like, we would rather put on, make sure we could put on a, a very good game on Thursday versus care about how this is going to inconvenience the, the actual fans that go to the stadiums. Yeah, man, I agree with this part, right? I, like when I, I initially tweeted, I don't understand this, and I meant that in the for the fan perspective. And I think this is really purely about TV deals. Last year, so I think it's Amazon. Amazon has the rights for all the Thursday night games. Mm-hmm. Thursday night games last year were horrible, especially like we saw some really, really bad games. Yeah. And so from a fan at home perspective, I can understand. Like you want to see a good Thursday night game. And for Amazon, but I think this is more about like that deal specifically. They don't want to just be losing money because they're trotting out terrible games. And so I can understand that portion. And the flexing is only for five weeks, right? Five, or five potential caves where they can flex out, which is like week 13 to 18 or something like that. And there can only be a maximum of two flexes, I think, here. <coughs> but still, like that portion, those fans that are likely planning those trips well, well before you do get like that 28 day notice. But I, I think that that's still disrupting that fan experience a lot. Good for the fans at home, good for the TV deals and good for the owners. I don't think it's great for everybody else, especially, you know, cause even with the players, even if you're getting a month's notice, it still disrupts the schedule. You're changing practice schedules that week from going from, essentially a full week of practice to very limited practice. And then obviously the next week changes as well. It is what it is, man. (laughs) It is what it is. We'll see what sticks, what doesn't stick. But Sunil, I mean, it's been a, it's been a fun hour. We talked OTAs, talked quarterbacks, got that out of the way, talked about position groups that we could see uh, having battles in OTAs. And then, capped it off with these last rule changes any last thoughts before we head on out today no just uh stick with the channels obviously uh you know now that there's actual football being played 
just going to be excited to hear uh, what stories come out. And I'm excited for you to get out there to those practices, Rohan, so you can let us know exactly what's going on day by day. Oh, yeah, man. I'm excited for that, too. Last thing I'll say before we head on out, uh, as 49ers throwback reminded us, Super Bowl 60 is at Levi's. That's going to be a fun one. Hopefully the 49ers are in the stadium for their own Super Bowl. That was cool news that we uh, we saw drop last week. But, guys, thank you guys all for tuning in. For those of you guys in the comment section, appreciate always uh, having our support. Those of you guys listening with the audio, make sure you guys stay tuned. Keep downloading the podcast, and we'll be back soon with some more content. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.